God calls us all to a particular vocation, sometimes it's difficult to discern. For the next hour, Father Stephen DeLacy, Director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, will discuss the unique calling to the priesthood and religious life. And now here is your host for the Vocation Hour, Father Stephen DeLacy. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all our listeners for uh, the Vocation Hour. It's a, a great time to be with all of you. A, a very blessed New Year 2020, no doubt, will be a, a year of many blessings and uh, and as we celebrate this Christmas season. The, the one thing I want to kind of just reflect on, you know, we're celebrating this awesome, amazing season of Christmas. We're still in the season of Christmas and it's important for us to, to remain there. One of the things that is a challenge to our faith is we can become complacent. Things can become so ordinary. And so just to say a concept that we hear all the time, but it should invoke a sense of awe every time we say this, that Mary is the Virgin Mother. Wow! Like, how does that happen? That, you know, in none of our experience, do we experience that on a regular basis? It's only happened once in the history of humanity, and it's such an unnatural, amazing, incredible experience and reality that Mary was pregnant and remained a virgin. Wow! And then her per- perpetual virginity, that she was a virgin before, during, and after the birth of Jesus, is something that the church has always taught consistently for 2,000 years. And so uh, just, you know, to be in awe of that and, and forming that relationship with Mary and, and not allowing ourselves to become casual with the mysteries of God, but allow ourselves to experience and deepen our, our sense of, of awe and wonder. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, oftentimes it's referred to as the fear of the Lord. It's not that sense of fear of like, oh God, please don't smite me, right? But that, that's, that's also in there a little bit too. We don't want to like not say that it's in there. But it's more this sense of, I'm in awe of the things of God. And so let's pray as a New Year's resolution that we grow in the sense of the fear of the Lord or this gift of awe and wonder that we never take you know, for granted any of the gifts that God has given to us and any of the mysteries that God has so graciously revealed to us. So then that way when we approach Jesus, who is God become man, Again, we can become so complacent with that. It's just such an ordinary thing. Oh, I know all about you know, Jesus, right? No, we know Jesus. And that he has loved us so much that even though it would have been his prerogative to stay in heaven and, and there is no need he had to become man, except it was our need, our need to know his love, our need to be redeemed by him, our need to, to have him reveal his truth to us, it's out of our need and our sinfulness that he becomes man. And why does he become man? Like, 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 let's not be complacent about any of this. He then becomes man so he can suffer and die for our salvation. Wow. What an amazing God that we have. That He, uh, the second person of the Trinity so loved the world that he became one like us in all things but sin. And that's what we're celebrating at this Christmas season. And that is what we're called to contemplate and be in awe of. So I challenge you out there as 
And you know we're we're at the so this is already uh, the the third of January, right? So so we've already broken our first New Year's resolutions. <laughs> it's time to make you know, it's, but it, it, we can still be making new New Year's resolutions. And let's make the New Year's resolution that we're going to try to grow in the gift of the fear of the Lord. It's a great gift, and it it sounds counterintuitive. So no, we're not the people that are afraid of God, and it's again not fear. Is this cultivating that sense of awe of the things of God. And it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's a fruit that comes to us by consistently praying. But also it's it's one of those, those gifts too that if we ask for an increase in it, God is gracious and he wants to increase it. So if we make that part of our prayer intention to, to try to, to increase it. And it also kind of works like a virtue. It is it's, it is a virtue. Uh, that's why it works like a virtue. Um, that it's something that if we actively engage it, it grows stronger and bigger and, and that type of thing. So pray for it, engage it, um, and 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 ask the Holy Spirit to, to be generous in pouring it out upon our lives. And, and just living in the sense of awe and wonder of the things of God. And the Mass will be transformed. The reading of the Scripture will be transformed. And then, you know, as we're building up a culture of vocations, people responding to the call of God will be transformed. And our own sense of a, being called from God will be transformed. So the gift of, of fear of the Lord or all in wonder is an amazing gift. And, and I, I pray that all of our listeners will be given a double portion of this amazing gift throughout this this year. Well, uh, my name is Father DeLacy. You are listening to the Vocation Hour. Happy New Year and Merry Christmas to everyone. We have two phenomenal guests on the show here, two seminarians for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, and they're here to share with us uh, their vocation and their, their, their this part of the journey and that type of thing. So we have Ed Town and Tucker Brown. Uh, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Where are you from? And uh, and tell us about your, your family background, and then after that we'll get into your vocation story. That, that would be great. Well, it's, it's great to be on the show, Father DeLacy. Thank you for, for having us both. And which one are you? Oh, that's, that's an excellent point. So I'm Tucker Brown, <laughs> and uh, I'm originally, I'm actually from uh, the Pittsburgh Diocese. Um, I went to Penn State, and then I went to uh, Jefferson for Medical School, which is what brought me to uh, Philadelphia. So now I'm studying for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Now, and- d- does that make you a Steelers fan? Uh, no, I, I've converted. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. praise God. Yeah, was, <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. I, I was no. get, I was getting bullied too much. Right? I, I, I'm, just kidding. Just kidding. That's not true. They're Philly fans bullying. I don't believe. No, it. no. Very, very tolerant here. Very tolerant. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm in uh, pre theology one. It's actually uh, in our uh, second year because uh, we had a spiritual year. So we're in our second year, but our, our first year of pre theology. And I'm Ed Town, and yes, I'm classmates with Tucker, uh, also studying for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia in my second of seven years in pre-theology one, and uh, I was born in this area in Chalfont, uh, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, but then I grew up in Southern Maryland, went to school in Florida, at Florida State University in Tallahassee uh, before I ended up back here uh, in Philadelphia, which I consider my home, and I, I love it so much. Um, and so uh, I'm so grateful to be at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary with Tucker and to be here today with uh, Father DeLacy. Awesome. Ed, well, we're, we're lucky and blessed to have you here as well. So tell us, guys, ab- about your vocation story. What has God been doing in your life that has brought you to St. Charles Seminary? Absolutely. Well, ag- again, this is uh, Tucker. <laughs> um, 
So I, I felt, you know, I, I think a stirring of a call actually when I was, when I was younger, when I was, when I was little. Um, but I think a number of things like um, sort of maybe disrupted that or sort of distracted from that. Um, you know, one sort of very typical thing is just a, an interest in, in women, you mm -hmm. know, that tends to arise as a, as a boy, you know, grows up. Um, but another part um, was, was actually, you know, my, my parents, um, they, they had a divorce and I'm, I'm so fortunate to have two, two loving parents, you know, but, um, but the fact that their marriage didn't work out, you know, that really, you know, was, was very difficult uh, for me and uh, sort of, you know, disruptive there. And, um, and that, you know, in combination with a number of things, you know, even sort of my own sinfulness, to, to be honest, you know, and, uh, and sort of that of others, I think, led to just like a decline of, of faith. Uh, so this doesn't seem to be going in the right direction here, <laughs> or a vocation story. Um, and it, it really wasn't. Um, and I sort of hit like a rock bottom uh, in, my, in my faith uh, journey where, you know, I, I felt like God just, just wasn't there. And um, you know, it, it was a terrible feeling. I uh, also didn't think that just, I didn't think anything mattered whatsoever. You know, I didn't think there was any value um, outside of myself or inside of myself. It was pretty, pretty terrible. But fortunately uh, for me, you know, God, God is there and he has been working and he was working at, even at that time uh, in my life. And that, that period was relatively brief, um, you know, within, within a few months really. Uh, God started pulling me back out of that and really graced me with um, the beginning, I think, of a spirit of gratitude um, for what he had given me. And uh, that gratitude started to turn, you know, towards him. And over the course of a couple of years, I really grew in my faith to the point where I found myself like at home in the church uh, again. And it was not too long after that. Um, where I just I had a, a really small thought, but kind of scary thought, which was maybe God is calling me to the priesthood. Um, like, you know, small in the sense that it wasn't like, you know, okay, you're called to the priesthood, you must enter right now. Um, but just the idea that this was a possibility. Um, but it, it was frightening because I knew that if it turned out that that was the case, that I would have to give up that which I desired and, and um, I was working towards you know, namely, you know, having a family, but also practicing medicine. Uh, so I tried to kind of push that away for, for a couple of years, you know, to see if it would just go away on its own if I didn't pay attention to it. And I found that it didn't, um, even though I was in medical school. So I was sort of going through my, with my own plan. Um, that desire was still there. And, and if anything, it was even stronger. And um, one thing that I noticed looking back is that simply growing closer to the Lord, um, was very helpful in um, learning and becoming more and more confident uh, in my vocation. Because, yeah, sometimes I, I, I don't appreciate that, that though for a long time it wasn't, it seemed as though I wasn't making like concrete steps uh, towards my vocation. I was making concrete steps towards the Lord. You know, I was growing closer to Him in prayer and um, in community with others who were intent on growing close to the Lord. And in that way, I really was uh, growing in, in my vocation. So I got to the point where um, I was very interested in the priesthood, but there was one, you know, sort of, I needed to make the switch from you know, just being interested and in actually making concrete steps. Uh, one of them reaching out to Father Delisi, uh, our wonderful vocation director. Um, but one, one of the things that helped me get sort of over that hurdle was a deeper appreciation for the value 
of, of the priesthood. And, and I, I saw that actually in the hospital in um, really the, the importance of faith, the importance of, of knowing God's love and trusting in him in patients who really had been stripped of, of so much, had, had so much suffering, had you know, so little ability um, you know, invert because of their, because of their illness. Um, but they still had this joy and this peace uh, because they had trust in God and they, they knew his love. So I, I realized that a, that a priest in very special ways uh, makes God's love known uh, to people. And that's ultimately what each one of us needs. And I realized that I desired to, to, to do that really more than, um, more than anything. And uh, so that led me to reach out to, to Father DeLacy and uh, the rest is history. Thanks be to God. That that's wonderful. So, so you had your own plan. Uh, you were in medical school. Medical school. You were becoming a medical doctor, and then God, you know, interrupted that agenda for another agenda. Absolutely. Yeah. M- most certainly. And um, yeah, I think if I had been more docile, He may have interrupted it sooner. <laughs> um, but but yeah. But God is patient and uh, and working even if we're not cooperating perfectly with Him. That's powerful. Thank you so much. So, Ed, what, tell us your vocation story. What's led you to, to, to get here to the seminary? Yes, Father, yeah. Uh, well, as Christians, I think we all know that God is still working in our world, and he's working in our lives, and that's such a great uh, source of joy for us. But we also know that it can be very difficult to respond to God's call and to what he wants us to do. Um, and I think in today's world, in today's culture, uh, responding to a vocation can be um, a very uh, good example of that and the challenges that uh, we have not by our fear of the Lord but by our fear of being inadequate or uh, fear that we're not uh, as wonderful and awesome as the Lord has truly made us. Um, so for me, like Tucker, I, I had this desire in my heart um, fr- from our Lord, I think, to uh, to want to become a priest at an early age. Um, and it started kind of with the fascination with uh, with what a priest is and what a priest does, and who a, uh, yeah who a priest who a priest really is, um, and of course that is uh, the priest that, that they represent Jesus Christ. Um, and I think I could see a little bit an element of that um, as a young child. I saw something uh, very respectable, very honorable, uh, maybe even heroic or transcendent in the priest at my parish, but. Um, but I lived, I lived in a rural area, and so other than my parish priest, I didn't know anyone uh, that was kind of young, like, a, like a young person who was pursuing a vocation, and I didn't know too many priests. So it seemed like something that was kind of a little bit abstract. It seemed a little bit of like something that other people do. It, wasn't, it didn't seem like this could be what God was calling uh, me to do with my life. Um, but at the same time, that desire was always with me, and, and it was, wasn't something that uh, was going away. Um, but I, I, kind of, I kind of felt like uh, it wasn't really encouraged by people to kind of follow that path. Um, and so I had a lot of other interests, and so I, I, uh, I kind of pursued those, and they were all good things, everything, uh, so many good things in my life. Um, I became very involved in, in political-type work and public policy, and so when I finally went off to college, I decided that I was going to study economics and political science at Florida State University. Um, and I was exposed to, uh, to so many wonderful people, so many um, opportunities. And the one opportunity in particular that I think kind of had the, the biggest impact on um, 
kind of getting me from where I was, kind of being afraid to talk about uh, my vocation, about what I thought God uh, wanted me to do, to getting to the point where I was able to kind of uh, start to really acknowledge the work that our Lord was doing in my life was uh, one summer when I was on a on a research grant and I got to travel uh, the country conducting uh, this project. And um, there wasn't a whole lot of stability in the sense that uh, I was super mobile. Every week I found myself in a different city around the country or um, around the world. And um, among all of the kind of the chaos and um, all the distractions that were there, uh, the one thing that was constant was that every Sunday I found myself at a different church um, at Mass, and that's where I felt very comfortable. Um, the church, the churches that we have are so beautiful, and I think I started to appreciate that more, and as well as the sense of the church being something that's universal, something that's uh, that's truly transcendent. And um, for me, that that really uh, gave me a sense of peace, a sense of comfort, um, and I started to see my see what my role might what might be in the church, and that God might have a plan, a purpose, and a promise for me, um, not just other people. And also, I think that summer I was surrounded by a lot of really intelligent people and a lot of really wealthy people. And I think um, in, in some ways, that's kind of what I was pursuing. I, I wanted to you know, make a lot of money, wanted to kind of be very popular, um, be very intelligent, like do well in school. But what I realized, what really stood out to me wasn't uh, the, the money, the power um, or the fame, but was the people that I, but were the people who I met who were sincerely good people who were really living out their faith in, um, in a way that was radically different than, than most people, uh, the sense of selflessness. Um, and so I, I started to realize that that was kind of needed to be my new goal and that I needed to kind of shift my focus. Um, and I also, I, I think, uh, as Tucker was saying, like start to have this uh, feeling that, or not this feeling, but have this, um, uh, this knowledge that, uh, that, I, uh, that God might really be calling me to be a priest and also this growth and effect of this joy and excitement uh, that, uh, that that might be my vocation and how, how beautiful that would be. Um, and so obviously it took a little bit more time afterwards to kind of start to take concrete steps to kind of uh, grow um, in holiness and faith to be able to kind of get to the point where I was in a situation where I was able to apply to the seminary and to uh, ultimately enter into St. Charles Borromeo Seminary. Um, and ever since I've done that, uh, for the last year and a half, I, I just know that this is where I'm supposed to be, that um, I don't think I could be happier anywhere else. Um, and I'm just so grateful as, uh, as this past year has kind of come to a close, kind of looking at back on everything that God's done in my life to get me to where I am today. Um, and that gives me such a sense of hope and excitement uh, for this new year, 2020. And um, I just have a greater faith and confidence that uh, God can... Uh, can work so much more uh, through me and, and just uh, through through everyone, really, um, in this new year. Well, praise God. You We're hearing uh, two outstanding uh, men of God, uh, both Ed and Tucker, who are seminarians for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Both are in their second year and in first pre-theology at St. Charles Seminary. Um, Ed, what you said at the start of your, your, your vocation talk where you didn't know that you were wonderfully made. I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit mm -hmm. of what you said, but um, what a powerful healing word that, that is going out from here because, you know, if, if when we look at ourselves in the mirror in the morning, if we're not free to say, 
I am wonderfully made, which is a statement of humility because mm-hmm. we're giving credit to God uh, for, for making us wonderful and awesome. It's in the, the psalmist writes that, so it's biblical, that our vision of ourselves is that I have a creator that loves me, willed me into existence, and didn't make me mediocre, didn't make me bad, didn't make me even just okay, I am wonderfully made, and we're all wonderfully made. And and I think in order, you know, it's important to come to know that. And, and as everyone has a call from God, one of the healing graces that we receive as we're answering, answering the call to God is this growing sense of the wonderfulness God has instilled in us because he's a God that loves us and willed us into being, and he chose to make you and I wonderful. And so the devil, his job is trying to get in there and convince us of lies that, no, we're not smart enough, we're not good-looking enough, we're not holy enough, we're not smart enough. Whatever those lies are, it's meant to then keep us from our true identity in God that we are wonderfully made. I just had to go into that just yes. because I think that was so powerful. And because Ed, you know you're wonderfully made, right? Yes, Father. Uh, Tucker, you know that you're wonderfully made? Absolutely. And I'm okay. No, <laughs> no, no. Praise God. Um, and you know, it's it's you know, it's not that you walk around as you're responding to a call from God that you you just are always like so. You know, I'm always wonderful. You know, we're certainly there's moments that we're not perfect, 100. Um, percent There's there's times that we don't live up to our wonderfulness. Absolutely, we're we're sinners. We're imperfect. We're in need of the Savior. But fundamentally, certainly from the core of our beings. We are wonderfully made. So it's important for all of us to touch base in that, and especially as we are continuing through this great season of Christmas. Well, you know, I, a, a call to prayer. I can tell you I've been, you know, the vocation director for Philly for seven years. Praise God, we've doubled the number of seminaries. You've heard the good news. I, I'm coming to our listening audience uh, just to give the update. This year, the momentum has slowed down significantly. And, and I have a couple of theories why it's, you know, the, the transition from the archbishop and, and the uncertainty with that, the move of the seminary, and there's some uncertainty with that. Anytime there's uncertainty, there, there can be an increase in fear. And anytime there's fear, there's a difficulty in responding. So that's my active theory right now of why the men aren't responding with the enthusiasm that we've become used to in the last couple years. And so... What is our, our way of turning that around? Certainly outreach. We're doing all those things. A 100% necessary need is for us to step up our prayer. So I'm asking, or I would say I'm begging all of our listeners to please step up your prayer for vocations. And every year now, this is our second year, connected to the Feast of St. John Newman. He was really big on Eucharistic adoration, you know, promoting the 40 hours devotion. And so Every year or the Sunday closest to his feast day, and this year his feast day lands on a Sunday. So this coming Sunday, January 5th, um, we're having holy hours throughout the Archdiocese. You can go to the heedthecall.org website, um, but we're asking you to come out and join whatever regional holy hour is happening uh, to pray for vocations. That'll be a very powerful sign. Our friends from New Jersey, you know, you're obviously able to pray powerfully in New Jersey. You're always you're welcome to come over to to join us. Um, it's a, it's very important that way. Um, and then also just uh, part of this call for prayer, the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, um, for the vocational office working with Sarah International, we're engaging in a very new, very powerful uh, vocation initiative, um, and we're launching that 
on the the an other feast day of the incarnation, March twenty fifth. On a on, on a quick request, uh, men, if either one of you ever become pope, <laughs> I humbly ask you, can you make March twenty fifth a holy day of obligation? <laughs> no problem. Okay, thank. <laughs> on it. Okay, <laughs> thank you both. So good, good. You heard it here on the vocation <laughs> hour, right? And so, their papal promises. <laughs> anyway. On March the 25th, with it, which is obviously the, the, the celebration of the Annunciation, that moment where Almighty God become, became man. We're celebrating the Christmas season, right? It's no coincidence that nine months beforehand we celebrate the actual moment of the conception of Jesus by the Holy Spirit with Mary's yes. And and every voc, everyone's vocation, when we say yes to it, our Lord is more present in the world. And we look at how powerful Mary's yes was, and not because God needed her, but because God chose to make her yes this powerful that when she said yes, we had the incarnation, which led to us having the church, which led to us having the sacraments, which led to us having the gates of heaven open, and our participation in the, the beatific vision for all eternity. Wow! Well, and I, I'm getting excited. I'm trying to live out that fear of the Lord. <laughs> and so... Our yes, every single one of our yes, when we say yes to our Lord, it means then that we're engaging in some type of activity that's bringing about the increase in the salvation of souls, especially for priests, right? And every time we have a man who's called to the priesthood and they say no, God can work around that. But there's a jeopardy to the souls that they would have been, you know, sent to save. And so, you know, when we say, when every one of us says yes, the evangelization that we do, the witness that we give, the, the good works that we do, it has eternal consequences and it brings Jesus into people's lives in extremely powerful ways. So what better day then to start a new vocation initiative than the day where Mary's yes brought Jesus into the world, and so many great things have happened. So we're going to join Mary in prayer on that day and pray the rosary, where Mary then, with her perfect yes to God, she joins her perfect yes to our imperfect yes and amplifies our imperfect yes in very powerful ways. So that day is going to be an extremely powerful day of prayer in six locations throughout the Archdiocese, We'll be praying the rosary um, led by the seminarians from the seminary. We're going to be webinaring this into these six locations. It's going to be very powerful. And then we're going to talk about this new initiative uh, with Sarah. So please check out the HeedTheCall.org website and your local church bulletin for the details for March the 25th in the evening at 7 o'clock. And please just set your calendars now so that you can come to this very powerful moment of prayer. And so God is doing great things in our midst, and um, I'm hopeful, even though the momentum has slowed down, it doesn't look like we're having a good year, I am hopeful and believing that we're actually destined to have a great year this year, and the power of all of our prayer can unlock that gift. And so, but it's uh, we, we need to pray, and if we don't pray, if we're not, if we're not faithful in saying yes to this prayer intention, then... As, as Bishop Sheen said at one point, you know, soon to be, you know, beatified, that, you know, we get the vocations we deserve, right? So if, we, if we're not praying fervently for vocations, and, and think about it, we, we only invest, you know, uh, maybe an hour a day in prayer, right? Um, and look at the, the amazing gift we get 
with the gift of men respond to the priesthood. And I'm going off and I'm all excited for this. So please, please, please pray. And even if you can't make either one of these events, pray in your own personal prayer life. So guys, you, you know, you're, you're now pros at the seminary, right? You've been in the seminary for two years now. You have it all figured out um, pretty much. Completely. So, <laughs> as they're shaking their head, no. <laughs> um, you know, talk to us about, you're both on the vocation apostolate. So talk mm -hmm. to us about what types of things you've had a, a chance to do with the vocation apostolate. And, you know, how have you grown in a particular way? Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, it's such a blessing to be able to go into the the uh, amazing art uh, dios archdiocesan high schools throughout the area, um, and to speak directly to so many. Really, we've probably spoken to over a hundred or a thousand students at this point, and even more virtually through our webinar program um, about the fact that they that every individual has a vocation, um, and we try to make that message very clear that that God is calling you to something and. And it's it's something that's that's a that's a real gift, something that's really uh, beautiful. Um, and I think um, we've seen a lot of young men really respond to that uh, by expressing further interest and in wanting to kind of either talk with someone about what it would uh, look like to pursue, uh, to follow a vocation to the priesthood, um, or men who have really said, I, I really do believe that God might be calling me uh, to this. What what should I do now? Um, and I think uh, people would be surprised with the numbers. I think that a lot more men uh, than we think are uh, are thinking about following our Lord uh, through the, a vocation to the priesthood, but they just don't really know what to do with it. They don't know where to go. Um, they're afraid to maybe talk to somebody about it. Um, they have questions, and and I think uh, that's what's so great about um, our apostolate is it it gives us an opportunity to uh, to maybe answer some of those questions and. To kind of make it uh, something that's more personal, by, just by our presence and by being there uh, to see young people uh, following uh, following a call. And I think what I've been inspired by too is every school it goes we go to, it seems like there's um, at least one or two uh, either campus ministers or theology teachers or faculty members that are really um, just a plus witnesses to the whole gospel message and the sacrifices that they make for their students. Mm. And um, I just wish I had, I, I, don't, I just, I just, uh, I just wish that, um, that, yeah, that, that, uh, that they can continue to just be a, a, a light for these, for these young people. Absolutely. Yeah. So Ed and I, were actually, we're, we're partners on our uh, vocations at Apostolate and our, our bread and butter, like we, we give vocation talks, like actually at, at school, sometimes we do the webinar and different, different things but I would say like like one of the most important messages that we give in our vocation talks is that what like I said like every single person has a vocation like God is calling every single person uh, by name and I think that's like one of the joys of the vocations apostolate is to proclaim that to people that that might not always hear it you know and we we get the opportunity to proclaim it in a way that's perhaps um you know, like more more intimate, we're sharing our, our vocation stories with them, and um, we have time for for questions where we can interact with with them and their questions and concerns and that sort of thing. I think a grace that I have received is growing in the conviction that that's true. Like obviously, like in my head, I believe it. You know, in my my heart, I believe it too. But I think it's one of these things that um, it's not one and done. You can just sort of continually grow and uh, growing the ability to sort of see each person that we encounter as 
one that is called by God, whether or not he or she sees himself or herself in that way. So I think that's been a, a huge grace, and I hope that continues, um, you know, this this semester. Beautiful, beautiful. And and just curious, you know, you know, the students ask a lot of questions. So what's one or two questions for each of you that that you've received from the students that you either didn't expect or you hear a lot of, and then what's the response that you give to the students for, for those questions? Because I'm guessing that our listening audience has similar questions, and also that they would be kind of intrigued to, uh, to, to, you know, to hear what the questions are that our, that our young people have. So, so even if it's only just one question that, that you remember from, uh, from being out in the apostolate, um, what, what is that question? And then, um, and then if you want to go from there. So this this is not like a serious question. So don't don't count this one. <laughs> I mean, it was it was serious, but um, but we had, we had a picture up of the ordination mass where the uh, the meant to be ordained or being ordained, uh, or you know laying prostrate, laying flat on the floor, face face down. And I think he asked like like Do you have to pray like that? Like at you know once you're a priest or something like that. <laughs> and I just thought on the one hand it was funny, on the other hand it was just um, I don't know very sincere and 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 very uh, very beautiful and got to respond that like you know we, we we can all actually pray like that even even right now. And uh, Pope John Paul II was a, was a big fan of just you know laying flat on the floor and uh, praying before the the Blessed Sacrament. But that for some reason that question was the one that uh, that stood out to me. Yeah. I think the the one that uh, I've heard a couple times recently that's really stood out to me is uh, it, it's it, it's not so much the question but how they ask it with such sincerity and such um, such a sense of seriousness for uh, what God may be calling them to and it's when a young young man asks how do I really know that God would be calling me to be a priest or what if what if I'm wrong um, there's a sense there's a little bit of a sense of, of doubt in their vocation but. There's, um, it's very clear that it's something they've been thinking about, something that they've been praying about, um, but there's, there's still a little bit of fear um, of how to respond to this, um, um, and yeah, there's just, there's a, there's a concern that they have, and uh, sometimes you're in front of a large class, and you know, you want to kind of have a very private, like personal conversation with them, and and, and share what it's like to kind of have been there yourself, um, but. Uh, but that, that can be hard uh, sometimes. But I, I think just the fact that they have the courage even to ask the question um, is, is a sign of hope. Absolutely. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah. Um, one other question that I think we get a, a fair amount of, um, asked with varying degrees of sincerity, <laughs> um, has to do with you know whether or not a priest is able to, to get married and, and date and, and that sort of thing. And um, and yeah, when, when it is asked with more sincerity, I think it's, you know, it's a man you know, asking these, these big questions because there is that, that strong desire um, that, is, uh, that is in the heart. And of course, you know, the answer is no, that, you know, the priest uh, gives up uh, marriage to a woman and, and family, um, you know, really for the sake of, uh, you know, the bride that is the church, you know, and uh, laying down his life and being totally there uh, for the church and um, having this undivided heart uh, for, for Christ and, and his people. Beautiful, beautiful. Great, great questions. And, and I, a question I've always wanted to know is why do the priests wear the collar and, and the black hat? Oh, <laughs> well, I've, I've got a great answer. Yeah, Tucker, we would love to hear your reflection. My on very that. beautiful reflection. <laughs> well, I tried to answer this question at one point and I was, I was, 
I was beautiful but wrong in my answer, <laughs> apparently. So I remember Redeem the Redeem yourself. Okay, I remember there, it's a threefold answer. It has to do with the evangelical councils, I realize. Uh, so the black, the black that we wear, um, I guess when it was first being worn, uh, it was kind of a cheap fabric, a cheap color. Um, so now today, I guess, you know, it's probably about the same as others, but it sort of represents uh, simplicity in, uh, in our way of life. Um, another is the collar. Um, which you know, as you know, something that goes around the neck um, represents like a yoke. Like uh, you know, if you imagine like two two oxen, they would be actually under like the same yoke, um, you know, side by side. And so Christ says, you know, take my yoke uh, upon you. So like to be yoked like with Christ um, and sort of following Him, doing the work that He's uh, doing. And then the color of that collar is is white, which represents uh, the purity. So, so we've got simplicity, uh, obedience in uh, in the yoke, and then uh, you know purity, sort of in in, in chastity and celibacy, uh, represented by the color of the collar. Great, so, great. That's powerful. Uh, that one. is a great. That is a great answer. Beautiful <laughs> and correct. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and some of the origin too of it is like. Uh, the church was just seeing the way priests were not able to match their clothing. And <laughs> no, wow. that's not that's not the correct answer. Uh, sorry about that. So, <laughs> so um, well, and grateful for you guys because you guys are actually on break right now. So yes. I'm very grateful that you guys are here, um, and uh, it's it's wonderful that you're here. So, um, you know what, um, you know, to, to what has been the most challenging part of the seminary for you? What's what's been one of the the uh, what's been something that maybe has been surprising about the seminary that going in you didn't expect and then here it is and, and it's a it's a source of joy i think for me one of the uh one of the most challenging um parts of seminary was this summer in in may and part of part of may and part of june we had our 30-day silent retreat uh at the conclusion of our spiritual year and um it was hard to, it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was hard not to, uh, not to talk for 30 days. Um, it was difficult just to kind of, you know, really quiet yourself for such an intense period of time to try and listen to our Lord. But, um, but it was totally worth it in the, in, in the end. Um, and I think there was something that a lot of us had kind of a fear going into, like, were we going to, were we going to be able to make it? Were we, um, like, what would it really feel like to be silent for, for 30 days? And, um, what, what that would what that would look like to uh, just kind of the different things that you're used to in your daily life uh, to just kind of step away from that for a month. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that that was challenging. But one one of the things that I was thinking about when you were speaking earlier, uh, Father DeLacy, about how we're all wonderfully made was um, my experience on the 30 day um, was one of the graces I think was I really spent a lot of time reflecting on um, from Isaiah 43 4 that you are precious in my eyes, honored, and I love you. And I think uh, that sense of preciousness um, kind of adds to what you're saying about how we're wonderful, and that's a, like that's a humbling thing. And I think that's also what it means to be precious. Like, we are beautiful, but at the same time, we're very fragile people, um, and, and we fully rely on God and, and his grace, and that he's loved us into being, and we need God to continue to uh, love us into being for us to just to exist. Um, and I think that to be able to step away from uh, step away from daily life for 30 days was such a great privilege and uh, that we had. And I'm so fortunate uh, 
uh, that God was able to work through something that I, I found at times to be very challenging. Absolutely. Um, one of the challenges for me actually came, um, I think maybe midway through the, the spiritual year, uh, we were covering one of the, uh, the church documents on uh, like the, the church itself. And we're really seeing um, in that document, like the truth uh, about the church, which is so, so beautiful, so many facets of it um, that are just so richly beautiful. And the, the challenge came with the reality of, you know, us as members of the church, not sort of living up to or embracing that, that beauty and that holiness uh, which, uh, which the church possesses. And, and it was sort of a, a source of confusion and, um, and I, I guess of almost like pain uh, too. You know, like obviously last year, you know, the, um, the, uh, many scandals were, were coming up and that sort of thing. So to have that, you know, juxtaposed against this, this, this reality of the church, which sometimes can be hard to see amidst, amidst those other things. So that was a very challenging moment for me. But I think through it, um, I learned that, you know, that the beauty that we have as, as the church really comes from Christ himself. You know, we're holy. We, we learned this again in, in a class recently. We're holy because Christ is holy. You know, he shares uh, his, his holiness uh, with us. And we're meant to you know, embrace that fully and live it out and manifest it so that people can see it. And we, and we do do that. Um, but that was, that was a challenge for me. Um, perhaps a grace um, that has come this, uh, this semester and that, that I'm so thankful for is, is just um, the classmates uh, that we have in, in Pre-Theology 1. Um, our classes really, really clicked. And that was actually another challenge, was, was going from the spiritual year to really a new set of, um, of classmates, um, some of which you know, did not do the spiritual year, and you know, forming those new relationships and having a new way of, of life with classes again and that sort of thing. Um, but very quickly and really throughout the semester, uh, we've just grown closer, and uh, you know my, my classmates, including Ed, uh, have been a, a source of strength and joy this semester. Great. Well, thank you so much. And you guys are, are listening to the Vocation Hour. I'm Father Blakesley, the host of the show. If anyone out there is considering a call to the priesthood and you want to reach out and get in touch with me, please, you can get all my contact information at heedthecall.org. That's www.heedthecall.org. Uh, we need prayer. The, we're, we're, we've seen an interruption of our, our momentum, um, and uh, and prayer can can kickstart that. Prayer can ignite. Uh, we, I, there's all this accelerant within the church, and we just need the prayer to ignite it um, and set our, our vocations on fire. Um, and uh, and so the call to prayer on on January 25th. There's I'm sorry on January 5th. The Feast of St. John Newman, though it's not celebrated because of the Sunday takes precedence, the Feast of the Epiphany, but we're having holy hours throughout the Archdiocese. And so um, we're asking people to come out in prayer for that. March 25th, to kick off a new vocation initiative, we're having a, a powerful rosary rally throughout the Archdiocese. Um, and see, please, for both events, check heedthecall.org uh, for, uh, for the details for that. In addition to praying, we need people to invite men. You know, there, there's something about being challenged and, and um, men today, they, they need to be challenged to initiate. You know, a lot of times we'll sit back and just we'll be complacent. Um, but if, it, if, if someone's prompting us, uh, then, then we kick into gear, right? So, so all of us can be prompters of men to consider a call to the priesthood uh, and religious life. 
for uh, for the priesthood, uh, we're starting our come and see weekend uh, season in a sense. We have a, a, a post high school re retreat and a high school retreat in January, in February, and in March. Uh, and a guy who's discerning can come to all three because you know the the need to step away from the busyness of life to get that quiet time of prayer so you can hear what God is saying to you is so vital. That's why it's important for us to offer these with some regularity. And so uh, at the heedthecall.org website, you have all the details for the come and see weekends, but uh, we have it just for high school students and then also for anyone of any age that's post high school for men. Um, and so please check that out, invite men to it. You can even email the link to a guy that you think about it. Do that that electronic invitation uh, or that that one on one or, or just give somebody a call. Um, it, it doesn't hurt and, and they need that invitation. And if it's on your heart that you think a guy would be a good priest, that could be the Holy Spirit working through you. And if if, if you're not right, because we're not necessarily infallible with this, but the church, but God does work through the church in that very way, um, even if it's not the case, well, you're, you're blessing the guy and, and you're, you're giving him a great compliment. Um, and then obviously if he's being called and the Holy Spirit is prompting you, you're becoming an instrument in this man fulfilling his vocation. And it's so very powerful. On average, men experience four invitations to consider the call to the priesthood. I know if it wasn't for the people in my own life that prompted me, I most likely would not be here. So so it's very important then to uh, to talk about uh, talk about that. So guys, I, I, I want to share uh, something with you that, uh, and this is a confession to everyone out there. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Okay, oh. so I admit it. Now, I'm not. I'm not at the point. I don't go to like conventions and dress up or anything like that. But you know, this the the Saturday before Christmas, I went out with a group of friends to see the latest Star Wars film, and I'm not going to give any spoiler alert. Uh, but it was it was awesome, and uh, the the amazingness of the whole Star Wars series, it really comes down to. A, a, a remnant, a faithful remnant, a very biblical image, maintaining hope in the face of, of overwhelming evil and able to defeat that overwhelming evil because they're connected to this transcendent force known as the force, right? So that's the reason why it, people like myself that get stirred up, and I know other people think it's silly but you know people like myself that get stirred up for this it's it's because it's so fundamental to our story right it looks like evil is winning it looks like the scandals are bigger than the church it looks like the church is shrinking it looks like that you know the the world is overcoming the church it all looks like that right and isn't that what the cross looked like when Jesus mm. was dying on the cross? Mm. Didn't it look like that death was overtaking the Savior as opposed to the Savior overtaking death? That we are called to maintain and be a people of hope. And the transcendent force that is bigger than all of our problems is our God and Father who loves us, who sent his only Son, who sent the Holy Spirit, who is bigger than every single problem. And so that's why we are always a people of hope. And we can never let the bad news, right? And we're hearing a lot of bad news as we're getting geared up for a, a pretty intense political season. It's a train wreck, our political scene right now that, you know, our politicians aren't leaders. They just seem to be like angry and fighting with each other. Not everyone, but there's a lot of issues in that. That can be very disheartening. And it also could cause us to despair. 
God is bigger than our political situation. God is bigger than our, our the difficulties in our church. God is bigger than all the problems in our own lives. And so we continue to dare to hope. And I challenge everyone to dare to hope to respond to the call that God is giving to you. Well, men, this, this show has gone by so quickly. Um, so what advice do you have for, for men that are, or, and for, for all of our listeners, mm-hmm. who they're all being called by God in different ways. So what advice would you give to them to respond to, to the call that God's giving to them? And then what advice would you give to, um, to the, the specific men that are being called to the priesthood? We still have about six minutes left in the show. So uh, what, what would you say to the, the, the people of God? Yeah, uh, I was so excited to hear the other day that my parents have decided that their New Year's resolution is is going to be that they're going to read the Bible together. And um, my for my parents to say that they're going to do that is is really um, is really an answer to a prayer and also just a sign of hope that uh, I think that uh, people um, all around all around the world are realizing uh, with the availability of Scripture. Um, how much wisdom and how much hope and um, and all the grace that they can get out of reading the Bible and so I just think that uh, I think that that might be a great New Year's resolution for a lot of people um, this year I know especially uh, for young men thinking about the priesthood I know that the the narratives of of, of Jesus calling people um, as well as God calling people in the Old Testament um, can really um, can really strike a chord with uh, Perhaps with what God um, is 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 um, is calling us to, and so I think that uh, I think uh, this time of year would be would be great to kind of reflect on mm-hmm. on those um, mm-hmm. those experiences of, of Jesus calling people, specific individual uh, imperfect people at a specific moment in history, um, to follow Him to something really wonderful and awesome. Um, so that would be my. Absolutely, that's great. That was that was definitely a big part of, of my discernment, you know, encountering the Lord uh, and, and the Scriptures and and through a lot of those a lot of those calls in the Bible. Um, I would say, um, you know, be not afraid. Uh, in the words of of, of our Lord and JB two, um, you know, be not afraid. Take steps. You know, there's there's probably a step that is right there in front of you, ready to be to be taken. Just take that one. You know, take that step, and a lot of times that that step is growing closer to the Lord in in prayer. You know, wh- wh- where in in your relationship with God, um, where where is God inviting you to to grow? Is it you know five minutes in the chapel every day? Is it an hour in the chapel every day? You know, where where is it? Um, so taking those steps that you need to take, especially when it comes to your relationship with God. And I think the hardest step for a lot of a lot of men is to talk to a person. Um, you can't discern a vocation on your own. Um, you really need the help and support of other people. Um, and so I think if, if you can just find one person um, that you feel comfortable, uh, whether it's someone your age, someone older, whether it's Father DeLacy in the vocation office that you can talk to, I think you can find so much so much clarity and and just mm-hmm. and realize that there's there's a lot of people who are supporting you and that they want they want what's best for you and ultimately that is for you to be able to follow and to live out your vocation with joy. Praise God. Well, for whatever reason, the, the readings back on, on December 18th have really been sticking in me at this in this moment. And and just like the uh, the prophet Jeremiah, um, 
<laughs> I'm so sorry I got distracted for a second there. The prophet Jeremiah, um, you know, talked about, you know, from the stump of Jesse, you know, the, a, a savior would, would rise up, I'm paraphrasing, and then the people would be turned, returned to the land. Well, look at how bad the situation was at that point. The Israelites, the chosen people, were in exile. They had lost the land promised to them. They didn't know clearly who the Davidic king is. They, they, it, the line of David became blurry. They lost their king. They lost their land. And, and they, they believed that because of their sin, God had totally abandoned them. And then God promises them that you know they would regain the, the line of David and find that. And that they would be returned to the land. And then the church in, in just such a magnificent you know, you know, your movement of, of, of clarity fast forwards us to the gospel reading when, you know, you know, the man named Joseph of the house of David in the promised land, who is betrothed to the Virgin Mary. And then, you know, like he, he gets the angel to come to him to reveal to him his vocation. And then reminding him of what the prophet Isaiah promised that a virgin would, you know, conceive and, and bear a son and he will be Emmanuel, God is with us. Joseph would have known this, the, the scripture. He would have known that Mary was pregnant. You know, he would have known that he didn't have anything to do with it and that he would have then put two and two together and or, or yeah, two and two together to get four. Right. And and he uh, he he would have known this is the mother of the Messiah, at least. We don't know if he would have known that, that she was the mother of God at that point, but certainly the mother of the Messiah. And in his humility, he thought, this is too big a vocation for me to fulfill. I must not be meant to be part of this, not wanting to put Mary to shame, wanting to back out of this situation quietly. He tried to quietly divorce her. And then the angel made it very clear, no, this is your vocation. You're called to say yes to this. That... Is it challenging? Is it bigger than you? Yes and yes. And that's the nature of every vocation. You know, is the priesthood challenging? Yes. Is the priesthood bigger than us? Yes. But is God asking us to, to respond yes to it? Yes. Those who are being called. And so because Joseph stepped up and said yes, you know, then he was able to be the protector and the father, the earthly father of Jesus. And, and you know, such a powerful role then in the life of our salvation. And so, you know, the, the, the story of vocations, this drama of vocations, and especially responding to voc our vocations in the face of, of potential hopelessness, God wants to fill us with great hope and awe of what he's doing. And so that's some of the powerful, you know, message that we have here at, at this, this Christmas time. And so continue to, to hope, continue to, to, to experience that Christmas joy, especially as we go into this new year, that, that 2020, we're going to take many steps forward in building up this culture of vocations. And we're all part of this. We all have this great momentum. Any last minute words from, from you guys for our listening audience? Uh, I think, you know, from my story, you know, I oftentimes leave out, you know, the, the influence of so many people. You know, from people in my, my home parish, um, you know, when, when I was little to like just all these people along the way. And um, some of what you said highlighted highlighted that. So thank you to all the people that have been involved in um, helping me, you know, realize uh, my vocation and discern. So that's that's what I would like to say. Thank you to the countless people out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I think this time of year, I'm always looking back on how grateful I am for uh, the the people that have been in my life um, and 
all the wonderful things that we've been given. Um, and I think that's especially true for us in, at the seminary. And uh, so we just ask for your continued prayers um, and as we continue with our discernment. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just such, a, it's such a privilege and such a joy to, uh, to be able to follow out, to follow our vocation. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Check out the heedthecall.org website. Uh, for those that are discerning, come and see to the weekends. And you can find the dates at the Heed the Call website for all of our vocation promoters out there, which should be every one of you. Um, you know, please invite uh, to the come and see weekends. Please pray for vocations. And if you can come to our specific events of prayer, uh, you're highly encouraged to do so. May God bless you. May you have a blessed Christmas and a blessed 2020. Take care. Took me so long I was looking outside As if love would ever want to hide I'm finding I was wrong Cause I can feel